You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Malachi chapter 2 verse 10 to Malachi 3 verse 10. And it's about uh, the profane covenant. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then we faith then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer rewards the offering or accepts it with a favour from your hands. But you say, why don't you take it? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in spirit and do not be faithless. And a message from the Lord. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied the Lord? By saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts, but who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like, for he is like a refiner's fire, and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier, of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and in the former years then I will draw near you for judgment I will be swift witness against sorcerers against adulterers against those who swear falsely and against those who suppress hired workers uh, by not paying them their proper wages. The widow and the fatherless against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. And he goes on to say something about robbing of God. But I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed 
from the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, said the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you, yet you are robbing me. And you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, and there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour down upon you a blessing until there is no more need. A good lesson. Thank you. That's right. Thanks, Ray. Thank you. Fair bit of reading. Each week over the last, well, this is our third week and the next week we'll finish off where um, our pre-Christmas sermon is on Malachi. And the reason, um, if you're new or you're visiting at church, we, we, I like to um, kind of have a balance. So we've just spent nine weeks before this in hospitality, a themed sermon where we looked through the scripture and found uh, elements around hospitality. And then I like to kind of counterbalance that by going through a book. And it can be actually, I'll be honest, li- listening to that can be, can be dry, it's big, it's prophetic language, uh, you can, there's a lot of um, subtext and a lot of references, and so I appreciate, us, appreciate you reading, I appreciate all our readers, I've given them, it's normally a couple of passages, we're doing big chunks, but so much in it. And uh, the reason I like going through the whole book is it gives us context, and I've been speaking about that the last two weeks, it's so important to understand the context of the book of Malachi. And uh, we've kind of summed it up, if you can, in kind of one question, this whole book. And it's how do we not miss out? You see, 400 years later after this book, Jesus will come and there'll just be a handful of people around his birth. His people, uh, the supposed king of the Jews at the time, Herod, they just have no idea that this is happening, what's going on. They don't read the signs, they don't read the times, they just completely miss out and in fact they end up killing him as we know all to his purpose all to his greater good but they just miss out and they're missing out now they're missing out the goodness of God and so I asked the question for us two and a half thousand years later as Ray said in a very similar time and culture how do we not miss out what can we learn from them so as we head into 2019 as we head into Christmas we can be right there in a spiritual sense by the baby next to Jesus and not miss out. And so we've had a couple of points. The first point of Malachi has been just a bit of a summary. If you haven't been listening, we do podcast. Uh, but the first one was know God's heart for you. Probably the base note of this whole book is number one, if you don't want to miss out, understand that God is for you. He loves you. Everything he is doing is for his people. God, he doesn't want you to miss out doesn't want to get you, he just doesn't want you to miss out. Know God's heart for you. Uh, the next couple of chapters we talked about last week are challenging, really challenging. From, I was preaching to myself last week, and then I had a few people come to me and say, pretty convicted on some stuff. As we asked a question last week, as a response to God's love, what do we worship? What have we spent our time doing? What have we spent our effort, our finance, our anything in 2018 what if we perhaps worshipped a little too much? And was it God? Was it a wholehearted worship 
of our Father? And so that was the question we talked about last week. Because we talked about the reason was, again, not because God will get you, but you become what you worship. It's transformative. God is saying, worship me. And each day you start to look a little bit more like the Heavenly Father. You start to look a little bit more like Jesus. I don't want you to miss out on that. That's why I heard a podcast this week, so I'm still in this line. But that's why you sometimes meet some elderly people, if I'm allowed to say that. And it's like you, wonder, you ask the question, do they even sin anymore? They're that lovely and that nice and that caring and that gentle. Well, you meet the opposite. But sometimes, let's talk about the pod, and you go, I wonder if they're, they're finished with sinning because they've lived each day, each moment, trying to be more like Jesus. And chances are, the more time doing that, worshipping God, they've started to transform and look a little bit more like him. We all know those type of people. And so there was a challenge last week. And we continue this conversation between Malachi, the voice of God, and his people. He continues to paint this picture of a pathway, not a threat, but a pathway of missing out. And I've got it up here, a picture that I've been using the last few weeks. And basically this pathway keeps going from you're a disciple or slave of this world. Firstly, you don't understand that God loves you, he's for you, you don't understand his heart. And so your half-hearted worship, you start worshipping governors, other things in this land, you start worshipping other things rather than God. And then now finally he gets to kind of starting to get to the crescendo. And so of course, you're not worshipping God, you're not becoming like God, you're not a disciple of God, you're a disciple of something else. And then things start falling apart. Divorce, adultery, greed, uh, this unequal yoke, he's talking about marrying uh, outside of their tribe. And, and that's not, it's not, not necessarily evil. It's just if you tie yourself with someone else that has different values and a different system, it's going to be very difficult because you'll be worshipping God wholeheartedly and they'll be worshipping, especially in this time, some sort of statue or something else. And so they start to forget. It's, it's not a, if you do this, I'll get you. It's a, keep going this way you're not going to have a good time. It's going to end with destruction. You forget who the creator is. You forget who the purpose giver is. You forget how much he loves you. You stop worshipping him. You stop positioning yourself towards him. And you're going, life is going to look destructive both now and eternally. Both Monday morning, it's going to look a bit worse and eternally. Your life is going to start falling apart. He says in Malachi 3, as we read, adulterers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice, start to look less and less like God. I love our response though. So that would be a great time to say, if you're down here, it'd be a great time to say, you're right, God, I've forgotten you a bit. Help us get on track. But classic humans I love what we say, our response to God saying, look, proof is in the pudding. You're kind of, the world is self-destructing. Maybe step back into my purpose. We say this. Well, we basically say, we basically go, uh, we pass the, um, I'm trying to find the scripture here, sorry. They do what humans do best and pass the blame. Here we go. All who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord. This is what we say. 
and he is pleased with them. Where is the God of justice? Classic humans. God says, you've stepped out of line, you're causing destruction, and we say, yeah, but you don't care. It's your fault. You don't even, you're not even a God of justice anymore. You've forgotten about us. Classic humans. It doesn't matter if it's a two and a half thousand year ago human or a human that was born yesterday. We love to pass the blame before we admit maybe we got off on the wrong path. It's like we um, we'll say to God, and I'm guilty of this, this is a human thing. We say to God, can't believe you'd have homelessness at Christmas. Can't believe you would create a world that has homelessness around Christmas. Yet, I'm guilty of having a spare room and a couple of spare couches probably on Christmas Eve. And this is not a guilt trip to say, fill those up, but I'm part of the problem. I could be the solution, but here I am yelling at God, how dare he have homelessness on Christmas? Or we say, God, why don't you fix my marriage? We think, as, we're, as we text our partner about how we just need to do that one more thing tonight at work and can we cancel date night to next week. But God, you need to fix my marriage. You need to fix those problems. We don't get any time for each other. Sorry, hun. i I'll be available next week. Or ever so slightly, your Instagram, you start looking at posts on social media that are inappropriate, just a bit risky, and your mind goes there late at night or any time, and then 50 decisions later, you're inappropriate with someone that's not your spouse or not your partner. Again, what do we do? God, I can't believe you would put me in that situation. Can't believe you'd do that to me. Yet that was 50 decisions ago. You decided to go down this path. It's a warning. It's God saying, don't miss out. We love to blame him. We love to make the mess and then blame him. Even our world loves it when a tragedy happens. They say, you see the newspaper articles, where's God? God is dead. God's disappeared. Where's God in this? It's kind of a thing we throw out in the media. Yet on good days, where's the headlines? Thank you, God, for a beautiful season. Thank you, God, for a beautiful day, a beautiful week. Thank you, God, for these people that are doing this type of thing. We remove God from schools. They don't pray in schools unless it's a Christian school. We don't pray in schools anymore. And then all types of awful things happen in schools. And I'm not saying it's a direct consequence, but we can't push God out. And when we're in the destruction, blame him for what he's done. Lots of questions, though, and that's fair. Lots of questions to ask God, but classic humans go to blame him. And so God in his graciousness, though, in Malachi, we say, God... We're in destruction. Why have you put us there? Even in God's love and grace, he still responds. He doesn't say, it's your fault, deal with it. He says, I'm going to send a messenger. Justice will be done. There is a hope. There is a way. Don't worry. I'm going to make a way for you to come back. Stay with me. Don't miss out. And he talks about a messenger in that verse that Ray just read. And he's, he's described as a refiner's fire, a launder's soap. It's actually talking about John the Baptist, and then it's hinting at Jesus. Now, talking about John the Baptist who would come in and baptize and wash people clean. A refiner's fire, a launder's soap. What I find interesting is Malachi is pointing out for those living there, 
at that time in destruction that the messenger isn't necessarily good news for them. If they're going to live that way, that he's going, I don't think you realise when I do send the Messiah, when I do send the messenger, you're living in such a way, I don't think you realise it's not good news. You're not going to like it. Just like you're not going to like the consequence of your action. You're not going to like it when I fix it. It's an interesting question. I have, and this is, I've got to be careful. I thought about this. It's a bit controversial, but I sometimes wonder, have you ever come across someone and I'm not thinking of somebody, by the way, just painting a picture. You're someone that maybe is a part of church or you've met them and they've been a part of churches and it just feels like they're just hanging in there for their ticket to heaven. They're cranky. They're agitated. They don't really want to connect. Doesn't seem to be much love coming out from them or forgiveness. And sometimes without making, without making a small judgment, it seems like they're just hanging in there just to get the ticket. I sometimes laugh to myself and wonder if, will they actually, when heaven comes and Jesus comes back and he paints this picture of a forgiving place, a loving place under the King Jesus, kind of wonder if, will they enjoy it? Because if they don't, and I know we all sin, I'm not saying that, and we're, I'm guilty of getting cranky. <laughs> but if you're not wanting, if the heart's posture isn't wanting to spend time with Jesus today, Good luck doing it for eternity. <laughs> and this is exactly what Malachi is saying now. He's like, you, you didn't want to do it now. You don't want to worship me now. When I actually come in flesh, you're not going to like that either. Because I'm going to oppose greed. I'm going to try to fix the family unit. I'm going to be involved in your marriages. I'm going to call out the brokenness to restore it. So if you're not enjoying me now, and I do wonder, if you're not enjoying or wanting to try to enjoy the Heavenly Father today, maybe don't get too excited about heaven because it's a lot more Heavenly Father. Just a, I don't know if I can quote a verse to back that up, so if you didn't like that, just disregard that. But I do wonder, if we don't like Jesus now, if we don't want him in our life today, do we want to spend eternity with him? I don't know. So I had a choice at this point. And if you were here last week, I had a choice to lean into that conviction. I had a choice this morning that I could pick apart our sinful lives and maybe leave today feeling very bad about ourselves. And I could dig deep into the brokenness. And so we leave church this morning feeling guilty about our marriage or how we spend our time, energy or money. Um, and we could be really convicted this morning. Who wants that? A Christmas, early Christmas sermon, talking about the hope of Jesus. Who wants to leave super guilty today? That's it. So I, I actually prayed about it. And there's times for conviction, but there's also times for the hope of Jesus. And so I leant away from that and actually dug a bit deeper into where Malachi goes with this. And I don't think it's just about standing up here today, making a list of all the things we're doing wrong or could be doing wrong. Rather, a different direction that Malachi says at the end of chapter 3, the last bit we read. I'm going to read that again. Because after Malachi digs in, after Malachi says, you've, you've, forgotten my, you've forgotten God's love, you're worshipping me half-hearted, now look at your lives and the mess you're in, he does something different at the end of 3. He says this, Will a mere mortal rob God? yet you rob me. So it's kind of a crescendo of guilt where he's saying to the people, you're robbing God. 
In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and there may be food in my house. And then listen to this. Test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see, again, he's saying something different. If I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop the fruit before it is ripe says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. How's that? It's a calling back to knowing God's heart. Saying despite the mistakes you've made, maybe in 2018, despite the distance you've grown from God, you're never too far away from him saying, just know who I am. I'm not there waiting to give you a one out of 10 for 2018. I'm there waiting to restore you. I'm there waiting to pour out my blessing upon you. That's the heart of the Father. After Malachi gives him a serving and says, you're robbing God, he brings it back to who God is, knowing the Father's heart. This is not a message about doing better as doing better is the fruit of life in God. Malachi is not saying do better. He is saying know God better. Don't try harder. Well, actually, don't try hard at being good. Try harder at knowing God. Spend more time with God. And the fruit of that is transformation understanding that God is not poor. He is not powerless. God is the God of restoration. God wants to bless you. God wants to grow you. God wants to heal you. God wants to comfort you. He wants to open up the floodgates of heaven and bless you. God isn't there going, oh, I'm scratching at the bottom of the barrel here. Sorry. Sorry, John. <laughs> Next year, maybe. He's an abundant God. This is not a call back to feel guilty this morning, but a step forward into a better, healthier understanding of God's love and let it change you from the inside out. Josh said a quote a couple of sermons ago. Josh Ackerson, our, our youth worker, and he said this question, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? I'm going to tweak it for Malachi and say, what would you let God have? What would you let God into? What would you let God do with you if you knew he wouldn't fail you? Let me ask that one more time. What would you do if you, not, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? That's a good line, but Malachi here is taking that one step deeper. He's saying, what would you let God have? What deep, dark spot in your life would you let God deal with? That thing you, you won't even admit in a small group. That thing, what would you let? Would you let God take care of that? Would you let God deal with that if you knew he wouldn't fail you? What would you let God do and through you if you knew he wouldn't fail you? Listen to God's, or Malachi speaking on behalf of God. Listen to what he says. He says, test me in this, says God. 
Test me in this. Again, context. I need to give context because this passage can be used out of context really easily. This is not talking about hitting up the casino tonight and putting all your money on black and saying, God will provide. I'm testing you, God. Not saying that. It says, don't assume your dream is always God's dream. I remember when I was in a band, I used to get cranky at God. We used to play some youth groups and I used to get really cranky at God. I'm like, I'm playing youth groups and we sing about God in our band. Why am I not famous and rich yet, God? Because surely this is your dream, God. Surely you can open up the floodgates of heaven and bring me mass fame and money because this is for you. I'm doing this for you. Fulfill my dreams, genie. (laughs) Get me my order, butler. That's how we sometimes see God. Not what the passage is saying. And now looking back, the worst possible thing you could have done to a young Steve Gray is actually make him famous and rich. I'd not be in church and it would not be to the glory of God. It was just my dream that I wanted God to make happen. Bit of context. It's not about God blessing your dream. It's about his will through you and him not failing you. I never asked at that age, 18-year-old Steve never asked God what he actually thought about that dream, nor did he, he was giving me an answer, nor did I really want to know. I don't think I would have had the time to listen. So context here is you, if you are pursuing God's will, he will provide. Prosperity is having enough to do God's mission, to do God's work in your life. Because he's the one sending you. And if you invite him into the dark areas of your life, he has the power to help you to restore you. The reason this passage talks about marriage and family and greed and difficult things is it's not saying shame on you. It is a little bit. But the overall context or message is saying let God into those places. He actually cares. He actually cares about that thing you think he doesn't know. He actually cares about the way you talk to your partner or the way that friendship breakup that happened that is Christmas time is a reminder of friendships broken. He actually cares and has the power to restore that in you. He actually cares about the anxiety and worries that you have, even if you think they're silly or small for God. He cares. He cares if you wake up some mornings in the week and and there's a sense of that anxiety and worry about the day will bring. He cares about that. He wants to be in there. I mean, that's the whole Christmas message we're going towards. Not a God born in a temple. Not a man born in a palace. Not a man born surrounded by kings. Not a man born into the clean, nice, not even church. He wasn't even born in church. Church people missed it. He was born in a dirty, dirty what we think is better translated cave or stable, surrounded by animals, smelly animals, surrounded by shepherds, the lowest of the lows. The three kings come, but they come later. But they recognize who he is. And God wants to say, because he's born into that, he wants to deal with the mess, he wants to deal with the shepherds. This is what Malachi is trying to tell you. Know who God is. He wants to be generous, overwhelmingly powerful presence into those moments in our life. He wants to move in addiction, whether it be drinking, drugs, porn, lust, consumerism, 
social media or anything that you worshipped or owned you a little bit in 2018, God's not too big for those things. In fact, he's the right amount of big for those things. Right amount of big for those things. Imagine, church, if we knew that nothing or big, nothing too big, nothing too small is impossible for our God. Imagine if we believed that as we stepped into 2019, we said, God, I'm all in. Every area. Yes, tithe and offering, but every area of our life was fully committed to him. We gave all our weaknesses. We gave all our blind spots. We gave the things that we think are too dark for even God. The relationships that are too broken, we think, for even God. Maybe it's kids or grandkids. Maybe don't speak to us or don't want to speak. There's nothing too broken for God not to bless or bring a blessing out of. Do you think we'd get to the end? If our church, if our community said, God, that's where we want to head. That's the direction. That's, at this point, we want to pivot away from the destructive lives and we want to pivot into your will. Do you think we'd get, at this time, do you think I'd be preaching in 2020 and everyone would be saying, yeah, we regret the year we had. Do you think a single one of us would look back and go, what a waste of a year? Not at all. We'd be cheering. We'd be healthier. We would have grown more into look more like... We'd have more people who look more like Jesus in this church. We'd be more loving. We'd be more generous. We'd be more restful. Not perfect, but we'd be on our way to looking more like him. I'm going to pray. But let me just challenge us this morning to know who God is. No, he is not too big. He's just the right amount of big for those elements in your life. Let's pray. And what's the time? We, yep, somehow called it. He knew I'd go too long. So we're not going to have a last song. Sorry, guys. But let me um, spend some... We've got a couple of minutes. So let me spend a moment of just quietness as we bring towards... Let's bring 2018 towards God and ask him to convict, encourage and uh, speak into next year. Let's pray.